Be a risk taker with God. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for the sermon of the first Sunday after Christmas, December 26, 2021, from Christ Church, Jerusalem. Deacon Rosemary Saunders challenges us to stop and experience the day Jesus the Messiah was born. What do we see? What do we hear and smell? In the midst of stinky animals and boisterous shepherds, perhaps we see a mother and a child at risk. God's ways are not our ways. God takes a risk to become one of us. He loves us and longs to dwell with us. Let us be risk-takers with God. Before we have our set readings for the day, I remind you of um, the song of Zechariah when predicting or prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. Zechariah says the following. He says that he's coming to bring salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, and to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and enable him and enable us, sorry, to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before all our days. So singing the words Kadosh is very appropriate, I think, at this, certainly at this time of the year. Our first reading from Psalm 84. These are the words from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bachar, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, 
Blessed is the one who trusts in you. These are the words of the Lord. Um, and the gospel reading is Luke chapter 2. So if we could rise for the reading of the gospel. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should take place of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her hearts. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. And so let's pray. Lord, we do thank you and we pray, um, Lord, this morning that you will speak into our hearts something fresh and new. Help us to meet with you today. Um, Holy Spirit, we welcome you um, and we ask that you move amongst us and um, anoint the words that I speak that will touch the, our hearts and help us, Lord, to encounter you. Amen. Um, so Luke 2 verse 7 says in the New King James, And she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I was with um, Neville and Anthea last night, and uh, Neville told me something. Neville, do you want to come forward and just tell us what you told me last night? You know, um, Neville knows everything. He's <laughs> embarrassed now by what I said. But yeah, tell us about the swaddling clothes. Yes, this is a little detail of the Christmas story that speaks something, but often we miss, and it says that 
It was announced to the shepherds that they would find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But this was in Bethlehem, and what the, what the Mishnah tells us later on is that because the lambs for the sacrifices, in particular for the Passover, they were the, these lambs were raised in Bethlehem. And a rabbi would come down from Jerusalem and select a perfect one-year-old lamb, wrap him in swaddling clothes, in other words, wrap him up tightly and carry him back to Jerusalem. And so this idea of being tightly wrapped in cloths is some, was signaling something that not very many people appreciate. This is because we're 2,000 years and so far removed in our culture that these little hints are lost. Thank you. Thanks, Neville. I was really interested in what he told me last night. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, that's wonderful, isn't it? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So thank you for sharing that. That's another image for us. Christmas carries many images, and Neville's just given us another image. It's full of images, and images are extremely powerful. And in my mind, I have, and all of us have, the image of the stable, the nativity in a stable. And it's an image. It's very, very powerful. And the quote, Jesus was born in a stable, is imprinted in my mind. And it's also imprinted through images that we see. And I've seen hundreds of nativities. <laughs> Working in a school, over the years, I've seen, I must have seen hundreds of nativities. And each of these talks about Jesus being born in a stable. But in the Bible, there's no mention of a stable, shock horror. <laughs> it's actually not there. It doesn't say that he was born in a stable. What we do know, he was born in a room somewhere which had a manger in it, and, that, and that's a feeding trough. That's what we know. That's what the Bible tells us. We know that there were, like, there were likely to have been animals there. So what else have we got wrong? Question, was Jesus born on 25th of December? No. <laughs> um, I was reading about this uh, on Googling it, really. Some scholars believe he was born in June, because apparently in the year 2 BC, Venus and Jupiter came together and gave this bright star. Some say he was born in October, and there are some that claim he was a spring baby. Okay. So, 25th of December, that's not right. What about the Christmas trees that we put up? <laughs> okay. Not relevant. Okay, not relevant. So, we've got it wrong with 25th of December. We've got it wrong with the Christmas tree. So have you met those Christians who don't celebrate Christmas because of these things? Yeah, <laughs> I have, yes. Well, they'll say we don't celebrate Christmas because, first of all, he wasn't born on Christmas Day. And you need to know that this festival came out of a pagan festival of the winter solstice, hence the Christmas tree and everything. And so, you know, they need to educate us. Well, I was educated um, in that. I say educated in quotes. I remember 
um, a few years, some years ago, meeting with a group and hearing the teaching, and I was educated. <laughs> okay. And so I remember a Christmas in 2006, it was, when I'd heard this teaching and I thought, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas. I'm not going to enter this pagan festival. So no Christmas tree went up, right? And no decorations went up in my home. My husband had died six months ago, so it was a good opportunity to not be celebrating anyway. But there we go. So I wasn't going to get involved in pagan rituals. Not for me. No Christmas tree, no decorations. But thank the Lord. I know that David often quotes someone called Dwight Pryor, who was an excellent Bible teacher, who did Jewish, Hebrew, Hebraic roots of our faith. And he recorded... Around that time, a, I think he recorded it for me. It seemed like that at the time. You need to get it. It's called Christmas Bar Humbug. And he addresses this very question. When was Jesus born? What's all, all this about? So what do we do? And in the teaching, he says a very significant question. If you don't celebrate the birth of Jesus on the 25th of December, when do you celebrate it? Now, that was a very profound question for me. I thought, well, I don't. <laughs> okay. So if you meet these Christians today that say to you, what are you doing celebrating Christmas? What's that tree going up for? What's all those decorations? You know he wasn't born on the 25th of December. You need to say to them, when do you celebrate the incarnation? What date? When do you celebrate the moment when God became man and became, he became fully human? When do you celebrate the greatest gift of the human race and see what they say? The story of the incarnation is profound. We can never reach its depths and the nativity is so beautiful. It's such a beautiful scene. And we Protestant, Protestants, of course, are taught to avoid the bells and the smells, aren't we? <laughs> but today, I'm going to be a bit un-Protestant-ish and look and listen and smell and touch the nativity scene. So indulge me a bit because I am a trained primary teacher and this is what we do in schools. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? You know? So indulge me. So what do we see in the nativity scene? We see a couple sitting there who are poor. The evidence shows they were. Not going to go into that now. But they were poor. We see a virgin. And she's just given birth to the Son of God. That beautiful, most more modern chorus, Mary, did you know <laughs> that your baby boy would one day walk on water? And we have to think when we look at that scene, what was she thinking? And that wonderful line in that song says, Mary, did you know that the baby you've delivered will one day deliver you? What was she thinking? It says she laid him in a manger, in a feeding trough. And so we see that. We see the Son of God lying in a feeding trough. 
What else do we see? We know that shepherds, we don't know, well, we don't know when he was actually born, whether it was day or night. Often the artists seem to paint it at night because the shepherds, we know, came at night. I don't know if I've missed anything. What do we see? Have I missed anything? What do we hear? Well, when we think of the sounds, what immediately comes to mind is that carol, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift was given. But was it silent? I don't think so. <laughs> A woman in labor is not silent. <laughs> Two nurses are sitting there and they know that. <laughs> Women in labor do not give birth silently. It was noisy. And then we hear the carol away in a manger where it says, and little Lord Jesus, he wakes up, but no crying he makes. Really? I think a good sign of a newborn is when they cry. <laughs> I think that's a good sign to a nurse. So the baby was probably crying just to demonstrate to his mum that his lungs were working. There were probably animals there making noises amongst all that. There was probably some mooing and bleating going on. And then the shepherds arrived, and that must have been very noisy. And those noisy angels had provoked the shepherds in the first place. I don't know if I've missed any sounds. Tell me if I have. <laughs> what did it smell like? It was probably quite smelly. Animal smell. It probably smelt of manure in there. <laughs> and when the shepherds arrived, it probably had a smell. I don't think they did much bathing on the, out on the fields. What did it feel like? There was a rough, hard manger. And there was hard straw and soft hay. What was the temperature like? If it was this time of year, it was probably pretty cold. What was the atmosphere like? If you'd have stepped in, would you have felt the presence of the Lord? So, let's come back now to present day. What would social services have made of it all? They'd have done a risk assessment for a start. Advice. Mary, keep that baby away from those animals. You know that those cows carry infection. There's E. coli uh, bacteria for a start. Then there's mad cow's disease. Well, there's bovine tuberculosis. Keep that baby separate. Careful with the hay and straw, Mary. You know that straw attracts vermin. Keep the vermin away from the baby. Conclusion, social services, a child at risk. What about the psychological effects? Surely the mother will need counseling for trauma. She traveled nine months pregnant on a donkey. That must have been traumatic. And not finding anywhere to stay? Trauma. Surely that child will need counseling in future for rejection issues. So what do we learn from all of this? One thing definite, God's ways are not our ways. And God is a risk taker. 
We see it at the dawn of creation in the form of Adam and Eve. He gave them a free will. I can imagine the scene in heaven where perhaps the angels were a little bit nervous when he gave them a free will. He took a risk. They probably gave him some advice, the angels, and said, I don't think that would be a good idea to give them a free will. Ever tried to give God advice? Did he listen? Yes. He respects us too much to laugh. But God gave the first human beings a free will. He took the risk knowing they would turn from him. This is how much he loved them and how much he loves us and longs to dwell with us. He loves our free will offerings. And Jesus chose to become a human being. What a choice, what a risk. He took a risk because he trusted his father completely, because his love for us is so deep and wide and unfathomable. Amazingly, we are worth the risk. God loves us so much that immeasurable love means we're worth the risk. And the problem with many people today is with self-hate. It's the human condition. So we try to make ourselves presentable to God. I'll come to God when I feel better about myself. I'll come to God, you know, when this situation's sorted. I'll come to God and pray when I feel like I'm forgiven. I'll come to God when... But, you know, the rest of his created beings, animals and birds, they don't act like God act like that. God sees every sparrow, and Jesus said, you and me are worth more than many sparrows. Psalm 84 that Roy read, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So here's the tabernacle, and the sparrow and the swallows have made their nests there. In the altar. What is this altar? Well, in the tabernacle, there were two altars. There was the altar of sacrifice for the animals, and then there was the altar of incense. And the birds made their homes there, and they built their nests. They didn't feel threatened, obviously. It was allowed, and sparrows are noisy creatures. So in there, it was noisy, and nest building is messy. How lovely is your dwelling place? God loves to come into our messy lives and make it lovely. God is in the business of transformation, We can't transform ourselves. We're actually hopeless cases. He came down at Christmas into a smelly, messy stable. The glory of God came in and has inspired artists for centuries. We then look upon it and say, when we look at the nativity scene, 
How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. So what is God saying to us today about all this? Perhaps he's saying, come as you are to me with all your weaknesses, come as you are with all your frailties, inadequacies, insecurities. We all have our messiness. We all can put on a front and we can say everything's fine, but we've all got our issues. And God longs to transform us, and that's what discipleship is all about. No self-help book can do what God can do. He is a perfectionist, and God is a risk-taker. He's willing to take a risk with us. But are we willing to risk ourselves into his hands? So I would suggest that today, as we take communion, the thing that is bothering you and me today, the thing that is really a big concern, that as we take communion, let's take a risk and put it totally into the hands of God. Place it in his hands and take a risk. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.